thumbs up. Hey, welcome. Great to see you here on the Zoom. I know many of you on Facebook as well. I'm just seeing some messages uh, popping up there as well. It's so lovely to be with you. And I know on these August Sunday evenings, as, as people are taking time out and holidays, I know some are watching from other far-flung places and others are catching up at other times on YouTube in the week. Um, so wherever and whenever you're watching this, God bless you. Um, as Danny said at the start of the meeting, uh, as he uh, was hosting us, we're, uh, we're, we're looking at this slow down uh, series. And tonight we, we finish it. Um, well, I've really enjoyed uh, teaching this through with Kaz. Do you know, in, in 30 years of preaching, I don't think I've ever had so much feedback on a simple teaching series as we've had on this one. Um, and uh, so it's been really interesting to see that and recognize that I think all of us are yearning for some kind of change in our lives that means we're more connected to Jesus, more connected to one another, more able to live in the world as he's called us to. So uh, without further ado, let, let's crack on um, with this evening's um, uh, teaching. And, and we're really just doing a, a kind of summary of what it means to slow down. We did a couple of weeks on, on the sense of, 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 as it were, of living without limits. Uh, and then we've looked at some very practical discipleship, um, silence and solitude, um, Sabbath. Um, last Sunday, um, we looked at living more simply and, and tonight we just tackle again the idea of slowing down and we've been trying over these weeks to look at what, how, how, what does it even mean in our, in our mad 21st century lives to live out these principles and perhaps to see some, some fruit growing in and through our lives and our calling with Jesus. All of this was sparked in us by um, last summer having uh, the privilege of, of taking a sabbatical break. Uh, of having some time away to use the old, uh, beautiful old author uh, Thomas Hardy to use his phrase to be far from the madding crowd for a little while, and and, and so we we were forced into a, a gear change and a and a slowdown at just the right time as it as it turned out. And some of those principles that we we relearned at that time we've been trying to live out ever ever since. I think mm -hmm. our biggest cry before the sabbatical, whenever we got to take any time together and walk and talk and listen to each other, was. Uh, I just need to slow down. That, that was the kind of the biggest heart's cry you'd hear if you if you spoke to me or Kaz. It felt, I, I don't know if this rings any bells with you. Too many demands, uh, too many people we say yes to, too many activities for us in church leadership, too many ministries. They all seem core and crucial. Um, too much crisis management. Everything's urgent all the time. Never feel like I ever get to the end of the list um, always playing catch up, catch up in church, catch up in the home, catch up with jobs around the house, catching up with kids and relationships and friendships, just feeling like we're living, we've used this phrase, with a kind of overdraft on our time and our energy. We know what an overdraft with our finances is like, but feeling like we've got this deep deficit um, and unable to flourish, therefore, um, always living with this underlying buzz of discontent, because um, in every area of life it feels like we're just slightly out of control. Um, it turns out that, that funnily enough, we're not supposed to live that way. <laughs> and uh, that, that pace and that busyness of life and ministry we found last summer um, had led to us both being physically exhausted, um, emotionally burned out, some measure of depression, um, certainly some, some physical symptoms in our 
bodies as well. We, we spoke a little bit about this in the Living Without Limits, so I won't, I won't overplay that now. If, you, if you're new to this for the first time tonight, think, what's the garn about? You can maybe go back, you can look back on the YouTube channels or SoundCloud if you want to listen to the sound recordings and find the Living Without Limits um, sessions. And what we discovered, what I discovered certainly, is that behind all the symptoms, it wasn't just about um, getting some control, get a grip. It wasn't just about getting a grip, although getting a grip is helpful. We realized that behind all the busyness, um, there are usually some heart and character reasons. The, the busyness becomes like a symptom, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, finding that, that my life has become far removed from the simple dependence and joy of living in friendship with Jesus Christ. So do I hear an amen to that? I, I know that, that we all face that from time to time. So uh, last week we looked at um, the idea of living more simply and we said it's not in the Bible in, per, in that sense. It's not a spiritual discipline that we would talk about, nor is slowing down. Um, in the Bible, this, taking a Sabbath uh, is having one day a week where you stop, uh, where you cease your labours, where you delight in God. That's commanded. Um, being silent before the Lord, uh, resting with him. That, that's commanded in prayer and worship. In this, you'll find all kinds of proof texts and examples, living more simply and, and slowing down that we're talking about tonight. They're not in the, in the Bible, but they are what we call spiritual disciplines or, or habits that we can form in our lives that establish a new order. A new, if, if the last few minutes you've been saying, well, yeah, I live with that kind of pace and rhythm. I'm, I'm out, I feel like I'm running downhill and I can't stop myself. The, the, these living more simply, slowing down, they enable us to, to, to establish a, a new pace and a new order and to focus on the right thing so we can grow in the right way and be fruitful as disciples. In... Um, in 2009, uh, one of my athletic heroes, Usain Bolt, um, set a new 200 metres record. It hasn't been broken since, although it's 11 years old now. In the 200 metres in the World Championships in Berlin, he ran 19.19 seconds for the 200 metres. Uh, I used to be able to sprint quite fast in my school days. Um, I, I, think, I, I don't know if I could manage the 100 metres in 19.19 seconds. Now, it's just an extraordinary time. Um, I, I beat him over a marathon, let me just say. Um, but over 100, 200, he's probably going to finish ahead of me. Um, I was just Googling uh, last week, and, and I, I worked out that if Usain Bolt had a snail, a snail in the blocks alongside him, Usain Bolt, lane number one, snail, lane number two, on your marks, get set, go. Uh, the snail would have covered the same distance, 200 metres, in, in just about 24 hours. Um, 19 seconds, Usain Bolt. 86,400 seconds, the snail. However, the point is, after 24 hours, both Usain Bolt and the snail have got to the same destination. They get there in the end. Uh, I guess what we're learning in these slow down Sundays with regard to discipleship, it, it's, it's not about these, these principles you can lay down over your life. It, it, it's, it's about um, uh, about growing in Jesus and the journey and the destination to that point. Jesus had, if you read in the scriptures and you're a kind of 21st century leadership guy, looking at Jesus and how he led his disciples in his three years of ministry, if you analyse Jesus's leadership development programme, it's frustratingly slow. It meanders around like the walk that Kaz and I went on with Justin and Alison this afternoon. It seems to get lost for a bit and stop for a while and it, it doesn't look like a well planned out leadership program. He seems to be more interested in the growth of hearts 
and the health of our walk with him and our friendship with him and with one another rather than just getting us trained up in the functions of ministry and the stuff we do for him and the speed at which we get from A to B. And uh, listen, there's loads of books on how to do slow down life and even slow down spirituality. It's, it's really on message, on point right now. Um, but I, I think it's impossible for us just to lift things off the life of Jesus and the scriptures or certainly as many books are doing now off the lives of of spiritual men and women from the past or from monks or from any other era or time or place there are loads of things we can learn from looking at others and particularly from looking at the gospels but most of all remember we're looking for a relationship with Jesus that is deepening and and life-giving that changes our hearts not just to add on some some practices we can learn so we look good on the outside but they do nothing to make us more Christ-like. We don't just want to bolt on some some change steps, seven steps to a better, more slowed down life. It's dead religion. It just makes the burden that we're carrying heavier in the end. And how do we just lift this stuff out of the out of the gospels and apply it to our lives? Jesus lived two thousand years ago or so. He lived effectively in a Middle Eastern village. It's quite different to the airport town of Crawley that many of us watching tonight live in. Other than the festival dates that were in his diary for, for good Jews everywhere, I don't think Jesus had a scheduler app on his phone. In fact, he didn't even have an iPhone. How can he lead a, a ministry that's going to change the world without an iPhone? It's crazy. He was only connected with the task in front of him and the people in front of him, rather than crowds through social media and technology. As far as we know, Jesus didn't commute anywhere. He, didn't, he did once take a donkey into Jerusalem. I guess that's a commute of sorts. Um, but he didn't drive a car. He didn't take public transport. Other than fleeing into Egypt as a child refugee with his family, he didn't leave the tiny area of Galilee or Jerusalem, maybe some occasional forays into Samaria. He didn't have a passport. He didn't take holidays as we know them today. He worked with his hands. He worked with wood and in construction. He supported himself. And perhaps his his uh, his mother and his brothers and sisters. He, as far as we know, he didn't have investments and saving plans and pensions. It sounds as though when he uh, began his full time ministry around the age of thirty, he left his family home behind. He didn't own in any other property or land. If I'm describing that life of Jesus, it, it couldn't really be more different to most of our lives today in, in the West. Although for many around the world, they may say, that sounds just like my life. For us here watching in Crawley tonight, that's not the case. So we cannot just uh, add to our lives um, some externals that we observe here. They're not going to work. So what can we learn about the pace of life? I'll hand over to Cassie here from so Jesus' example. We can look at Jesus through the gospels can't we we've got it written down for us to have a look and actually see how jesus lived we get the practical elements what did he do where did he go we can see that and actually we can see that jesus said follow me at least 20 times in the gospels in mark 3 verse 14 he appointed the 12 to be with him john 10 verse 10 Jesus has come to be the gateway to life yeah. and life in all its rich satisfying fullness we can be in re right relationship with him in the message version of uh, Matthew 11 and verse 28 let me read it to you it says are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me 
get away with me and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. wow. Jesus' leadership here isn't a three-step model that we can work through or a list of commands. But actually, it's much more, isn't it? Think about that passage. He invites us to follow him, to watch him, to be his apprentice, to learn from him, to be with him, not just doing for him at all, but walking and working and eating and resting all with him. We see this example. Jesus sets the greatest example for us of how to live our life, which flourishes in a relationship with him and with the Father. He invites all of us who are weary or tired or frustrated, all of us who are burned out, actually to lay down our lives, our broken lifestyles that we may have, and instead of those, to pick up his easy yoke and copy his ways and the steps of his life. We've got that example within the Gospels. Let me read from Mark 6, verses 30 to 34. Okay. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began teaching them many things. I don't know about you, but that would be deeply frustrating for me. I would find that hard, but Jesus took compassion on them. But let me read what um, John Ortberg says. He comments on this passage. Uh, I'll read it for you. During one hectic season of ministry, Mark notes of the disciples, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Goodness, that's busy. There's no time for dinner. Far too many people were involved uh, in ministry. Think of this as a life's verse, as if God will reward the hectic one day with what a life you've had many were coming and going and you had no leisure even to eat well done not quite jesus was aware of this problem and he constantly withdrew from the crowds and activities he taught the same to his followers in one instance when they returned from a busy time of ministry filled with adrenaline he told them come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while 
if you want to follow someone, you can't go faster than the one who is leading. Following Jesus cannot be done at a sprint. Jesus was often busy, but he was never hurried. Being busy is an outer condition. Being hurried is a sickness of the soul. Jesus never went about the busyness of his ministry in a way that severed the life-giving connection between himself and the Father. He never did it in a way that interfered with his ability to give love when that was what was called for. He observed a regular rhythm of withdrawal from activity for solitude and prayer. Wow. So what about us as disciples? What about us here today, now? You know, we've talked about not just loading on another application or learning a new life hack or getting some new steps because that would just be a way for us to actually just invent another way of wearying ourselves. It's just another set of rules, another religion. And this set, which promised to help us, but actually, instead of helping us, they become a burden. They become that finger that points that says, you haven't done this. You didn't achieve that. You failed there. It gives us another heavy load for our backs to carry. But growing as a disciple of Jesus and bearing fruit with him in this world is something much deeper. It's actually a slow process. It's not something that we can necessarily rush. It's a character formation. And we know that that's not a quick process. But these things take time. It's, it's not a surface work. It might be something that in the end we see on the outward, but we know it's our inner man, our inner person that changes first. So some of these steps that we're sharing through this series may be helpful ways to force us to change our pace and address our hearts. But our heart's desire, Stephen and my desire, isn't that you become like us where in the last two or three times in the last 25 years, we've almost crashed. We've, we've had to slow down because if we didn't, we would collapse. That's not right. That's not the way to, uh, that Jesus shows us to live. So we need to learn together about a life lived with a focus on the main things and a desire for fruitfulness, but a fruit that lasts. Yeah, so I'm just going to ask you to let's just pause for a moment. Um, yeah, Nisha's clapping there. Amen. <laughs> love it. Love it. I miss the amens. Um, just going to pause for a moment, ask you just to pray where you are. If like me, when you hear that, you think, oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah, I, I read that Mark passage and I think, wow, well done, those disciples. They were so busy. They didn't even have time to eat. God blesses that. And Jesus says, no, <laughs> come with me to a quiet place. Mm -hmm. Just going to ask you, just pray for 60 seconds. Say, Lord, I, I, I want uh, this life that is lived with focus on you and on the things you're calling me to. I want a new kind of fruitfulness. Can you just express that in your own words? Pray in the spirit. Maybe you're just going to say to the Lord, Lord I'm, I'm so tired. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what I, what I would unpack. Um, if that's all you can say, that, that's what a great start. Just express that for a moment. We're just going to be quiet for a moment.
Okay, so listen, we're just going to share some very simple for a few minutes um, ideas for that will be on our list if we were going to live a more slowed down life. They may not be on your list because funnily enough your life looks different to ours. You can write your own list, maybe these just provoke you. Um, and it's our rough guide to slowing down, <laughs> trying to live sustainably within our means, within our call, within our season of life. And I, I've, we've centred it around two headings that I think dominate our lives in the 2020s. Time and the perceived lack of it and technology, time and tech. So first of all, time. Forgive me, we're just going to be brutally pragmatic here just for 10 minutes or so. Um, if you do this stuff really well, brilliant. Please teach us and disciple others. Um, so first of all, diary, schedule, prioritise. With regard to time, time is not out of control. Um, we get to do something about it. I, I think what we see with Jesus is that he knew what he had to do and what he was called to do and therefore what he did not have to do yeah. and what he was able to say no to. Otherwise, we're just always getting pulled by, oh yeah, no time to eat today, rush there, go to the next thing, onto the, the urgent, whatever shouts the loudest and distracts the most. We know Jesus didn't have a diary, but he knew his father's will. He knew his identity. He knew what he would engage with and what he would leave uh, alone. So um, for, for us, we work at our best. We don't always do it. We were saying, we, we looked at this earlier. We said, oh, this week we've got to sit down and do this. Um, we, we look a term ahead at a time. So between now and Christmas for us, and we just plan out a diary and a schedule. We put in our family priorities. What's going on in the family? We used to write in dates from school letters and things like that when the kids were little. Uh, where are the work priorities? Where am I away? Or where's work going to be late or long? We put in some breaks and what, what I call fire breaks or margins, gaps. We put in the people we need to see and the people we want to see and hospitality, we're going to do it. All goes in and because we put it all in, we realise, oh, there are some things that don't fit or we're going to be out seven nights in next week. And so we get to assess, well, is that really important right now or, or what moves so that that fits in because that's really important. I guess we think about our time like we think about a financial budget. We all understand a financial budget. If you spend every penny, you're going to be overdrawn because something always comes up. It's the same with time. If you fill every little block in your diary and have no margins, no buffers, you'll soon be playing catch up on your time. So diary, schedule, prioritise. And within that, even uh, thinking about your day as you go through it, just taking some little breaks through the day. I appreciate it. I'm I'm really flexible in how I work. What a privilege uh, that is. Some people are, you know, in, in work where they're paid by the hour. They've got no, uh, they're, they're not the master of their own time in that way. But it's just working out for you. What does it look like? Um, I used to feel guilty about taking rests in the day when people in the church that I led were working so hard. Um, I had to get over that myself. What about you? Where Where are the gaps you can take in the day? Um, coffee breaks. It's been great to see on Zoom some of the coffee breaks popping up. I, I know when I was first working um, in the insurance industry years ago and they told me, uh, a bit like the disciples in the Mark passage, Caswell earlier, well, we, we don't take lunch breaks anymore. They were for the old generation. I'm all for the rediscovery of a proper lunch break. It's really important. We have some moments in the day where we stop, where we think, where we come back energised. 
a moment where you get to stop and go and speak to other people. Go for a walk. Maybe you need to use your commute uh, or, or uh, get off a, at the bus stop or stop earlier just so you're not rushing all the time. Maybe it's on the walk back from the school run where you've just got five minutes to yourself just to, to think about these, these things and take a little, little break in your day. Wherever possible, maintain a single focus with regard to the tasks you're doing in your time. We were speaking earlier about multitasking. What were you saying about just living in lots of different spheres? And... Oh, when there's too much going on and there are too many areas that, that get confused and nothing gets done well and my mind can't concentrate or focus on one area. So like I say, nothing gets achieved as, as I would want it to. Yeah, and it's true. And again, if you're thinking about uh, busy work priorities and family life and, and church stuff mm -hmm. and, and you're trying to do some part-time work as well and, oh man, the house is a mess and you, you just can't function in all those areas yeah. at once, can you? Um, and even, I think, just with multitasking, um, you know, I could be talking to you now and just checking who's on the church Facebook page and send a message back. Multitasking is, is great that it's we're possible to do these kinds of things, but really you end up concentrating on everything and achieving nothing. Um, I'm all for learning from Jesus more about a single focus and a single priority. Um, and I, I wonder, just a little aside this, as we come back into, in the autumn, more what we call normal church life, as we come back to physical meetings, we've had by then we'll have had six months from not meeting. Those of you who've been around church, some for decades, will have well-worn paths in terms of how we serve, yeah. the rotors we're on, the serving teams, the setup, all that kind of stuff. And suddenly we've broken that for six months and we get to start again and we get to make some new habits and perhaps throw out some unhealthy ways of functioning. And, and I wonder again whether it's an opportunity for some of us to say, do you know what, I'm just going to put my energy into serving on one team where I can really flourish, where I can really help others grow um, and make room for others to serve in areas rather than mm -hmm. to be on five rotors my, myself. I, I wonder whether there's an opportunity um, for us to grow in that way. Um, we talked about a Sabbath two weeks ago, again, in terms of just getting control of our time, having one day a week. Again, we won't talk about that now, but go back and listen a couple of weeks ago and you can, you can get a whole session on that. And then I think um, what we would say is trying to take some regular breaks and even holidays where you can. We've learned to understand our limits. We know when we're struggling, when our energy levels are depleting. I think this kind of school term system that we work with in the UK is really helpful. Every eight to ten weeks or so, we deliberately, again, we write in our plan, we're going to have a week where we aren't going to have meetings in the evenings, evenings out, where we say to the small group, hey, let's just have a meal together or even take a week off. We'll just take some quiet days. We'll just recharge before we get back up again into the next eight to ten weeks. This kind of stuff doesn't involve having to spend money. When I talk about holidays and breaks, I'm not talking about going away. And it, obviously it'll be different for all of you, depending on your stage of life. Um, we have much more flexibility now just to say, hey, let's grab a night away or take some time out together than we did when the children were small. It, 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 took, it was like trying to plan a, um, an expedition up Everest when you've got three small children in terms of babysitters and bags and plans and who needs to be where at what time. Now we can just go out. Um, but wherever you're at, just think it through, build in some breaks.
Do you want to say anything more about that? Or? I think for in for that, um, I find it invigorating actually to have something to look forward to. If we're literally just going day to day and we haven't got that break that we're looking forward to, whether it be going away or whether it just be a change, without that, life is a bit of a drudgery and it's exhausting in itself. But to have something to look forward to, to aim at, to to anticipate uh, does us, us good and you know for those that are in a marriage relationship or within a family it does the whole group good too yeah yeah and I, and I think just deliberately planning that and knowing how you work how you function even your own energy levels and yeah. tiredness I, I was uh, talking this week with my friend and many of yours um, bespoke shoemaker and adventurer Robin Webb who, who's in a dearly loved friend in the church and Robin generally takes a Wednesday he's told me I, I, I have permission to share this with you um, don't go around on a Wednesday he takes a Wednesday out from his work often just to think sometimes you'll find him creating things in his garage or workshop or just yeah. having a quiet day he said to me let me quote him he, he talks about guarding his space and energy deliberately he said I value my time over just w being able to work an extra day and earning more money I appreciate for us in the West, it's a it's a privileged decision to say I'll work a day less and have less money. Some people are, are just having to work every hour just to feed themselves and their families. But he deliberately says I'd rather have a day a week to be quiet, away from the noise, to think, to make, to be creative, to be restored, than just earn an extra day's money. Mm. And I think in in just finally with with time before we finish on tech, just to think in terms of seasons of life as well we're, we're getting older now um we've talked about realizing after a sabbatical we're coming into what we call the second half of our life and ministry and we realize oh some things come and go they don't stay with you i was thinking back earlier this week and realizing there were there were a number of years in my life where music singing choirs playing in bands and gigs playing for a football team um speaking italian working regularly almost monthly for a time with churches into italy yeah. that used to dominate my time and my diary and our family yeah. life none of those things really feature now at all and it's just recognizing that you can't do everything that's on your heart at every stage of your life and it's okay to recognize that otherwise we just live under frustration so to, to, to have a process of discernment with those you love, with your small group leaders, with, um, with friends and family, how do I focus on the main things now and either let go of some things that don't fit right now in this stage or hold on prophetically for things that are to come in future stages of life. It's not easy, but it's really important, I think, to think in terms of seasons so that we don't throw everything into the diary for this term and this year. Mm -hmm. Enough on that, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay, should we just handle tech for a few minutes and, and then we'll, uh, we'll get Danny to help us pray. How does that sound? Technology um, f also just has such an impact on this desire to live a more, it's not really about a slowed down life, is it? But it's about a more connected life with Jesus and with others. Uh, phones so dominate our lives and tech now. Um, I, I, we've no idea really how much they've sped up the development of our lives. We don't really know what it's going to mean for our kids and the next generation and for mm -hmm. community and relationship. It's like a big science experiment that we've all just joined into unthinkingly. When I was first getting started as a pastor nearly uh, 20 plus years ago, mm -hmm. I used to write letters um, a couple of evenings a week that I would put 
in the post to people in the church and I had two evenings a week where I would sit down and make scheduled phone calls to people in the church and have a actual telephone conversation you know those phones that were connected to the wall with so a curly cable um, that was it the rest of the time I wasn't distracted or interrupted by this thing in my hand or addicted um, I wasn't pulled away by people who weren't actually in the room with me at that point um, rather than me repeat loads of these things, some of the books have been recommending uh, John Mark Comer, he speaks so well on this. I think uh, Tony Renke's book, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, is well worth a read. Let me ask you this question, ask yourself, in fact ask someone who knows you, rather than answering yourself, do you control your phone or does your phone control you? <laughs> Um, yeah, don't answer that yourself because you'll lie. Um, you think <laughs> sure you have yeah. it under control. Ask the person who knows you best. And you say, oh, I'm not really addicted to my phone. Listen, the stats say this. The average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Just, just in our hands all the time. Little affectionate touches. Say just 2,617 times a day. Just touches and in my pocket. Check that it's there. Oh, it made a noise. Let me see who's liking me today. Uh, do you know the top 10% of phone users, um, they touch their phones 5,600 times a day. Friends, that is addiction right there. Uh, it's, it's really serious. Just the average phone users, and that's probably you and me, that touch our phones only 2,600 times a day. If you do the maths, that's 109 touches per hour. That's almost two a minute. I don't even touch my wife that much. Um, and uh, so I think we've got to get something back in balance. Or if you go and, and work with uh, beautiful believers in Brazil, you'll probably get touched that many times because yeah. <laughs> they're the most wonderful tactile people I know. Um, so here are our big ones, just quickly, for detoxing from tech. First of all, take email off your phone, uh, particularly work emails. And if you can't, switch it off when you finish your work. Uh, we're trying to learn to set times for email, not constantly. I've sent an email, now I'm going back, I'm looking uh, again. You, oh, that's really what are you hard, saying, isn't it? So I, I, my mind, maybe it functions differently to others, but if I've sent an email, it's like I've ticked it off in my head and I can move on to the next thing, but then I realise, oh, ping, and there it is, there's the reply, I've got to deal with it, I've got to go back and do it again, and it just fills so much of my time, toing and froing, constantly checking and constantly looking to see, oh, have I replied? I don't remember if I've replied, oh, maybe I have, okay, did I do it properly, and so on. All the guys who've got on top of email, they say they set a time where they do their emails, and they leave it alone until their next time that they've set aside for it. Don't let it interrupt all the time. I don't think email's ever urgent. If it's urgent, they'll pick up the phone and call you, or they'll come and bang on your door if it's really urgent. Um, secondly, stop touching your phone. Leave it alone for a day, a week, or if you're having a night off or a night in, um, when we go away for a few days of proper holiday like we, we did a couple of weeks ago, I, I don't take my, my normal phone with me. I have what the family call my secret burner phone or my James Bond phone. Um, all I've got on there is a family WhatsApp uh, and uh, for running I've got my Strava and a few podcasts or podcast app and that's it. I, I don't look at my other phone, I don't switch it on, not because people are bad, people are great, but because I know that I can't resist it. I know that I'm not disciplined enough to leave it alone uh, or to say no easily when it, when it pings at me. On the back of that, don't ever take your phone in your bedroom. There's no need to. Mm -hmm. When you go to bed at night, plug it in and charge it in another room, preferably downstairs. 
I know you're going to say to me, like, all our teenagers did, uh, but it's my alarm clock. I'll be late for school and get detention. It's going to be your fault. Oh, rubbish. Buy, you can buy an alarm clock in Argos for £3. Leave your phone downstairs. Um, and then quickly, I, I think, on these, because we want to pray and we've been long enough tonight. Um, oh, we could do a whole evening on social media, couldn't we? But it's a black hole. Um, so just think about your time spent on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, whatever your poison is. For me, actually, it's, it's football chat forums about my, my team more than things like Facebook. Try a day where you come off it, where you don't go on your usual apps. See what that does to your heart and your anxiety levels. See how they are. If you want to watch some really helpful stuff on this, Simon Sonic on, on YouTube has some really helpful videos. Again, let's master social media rather than have it master us. Mm. Um, it's been so helpful to us, particularly through the, the lockdown period, to have this amazing tech that's helped us genuinely yeah. build and maintain community. Yeah. I'm really grateful for all this stuff, but don't let it master you. Set some limits. Don't let it steal your life and, and your joy. Um, perhaps when we get into our 20 days of prayer and fasting in September, you may say, do you know what? Never mind food. I'm just going to put my phone away for a day so that I, I can just be clear before the Lord. Um, Oh, let's just do this one before we, we pray, shall we? Number, number five, there's loads more we could do, but we've been long enough. Um, when, when I come downstairs in the morning, um, my phone's charging downstairs. I have to walk past it to get to the kettle uh, for my cup of tea that I must have for my quiet time with the Lord. Do not open your phone to look at messages or social media or news until after your morning quiet time. It's just, it, it literally calls out to me just to press the on button and to have a quick look before I pray and I worship. Stop it. No. Resist the urge to have that first touch of your phone of the day. Oh, how I've missed you. Um, <laughs> there's nothing that can't wait. If you go there first, you will, believe me, I set up my day and my emotional state from whatever message I read there, from whatever social media outrage is waiting for me, for whatever's in the news, rather than starting with the Lord in joy and peace and security and, and worship. So uh, even then when I'm into my quiet time, don't use your phone as a notebook. Put it away. Get a notepad and a, a pen if you need to. Give the Lord Jesus your focus. Uh, let's leave it there. Maybe we'll put some other um, top tips for slowing down on the, on the Facebook page and some recommended reading, that kind of stuff. The main thing is not to do what we do, but to find what works in your life and with your family and friends. Talk about it in your small groups. Talk about it around your dinner tables. Talk about it with a, a, a friend. Lord Jesus, uh, before we hand over to Danny, I just want to thank you for the privilege of sharing these things again lord we're not we're not wanting to tell people how to live their lives we're wanting to urge one another to run after jesus with everything we've got and out of that to live fruitful lives thank you so much for that word from ali swan this morning that spoke about us doing good out of having come fully into the goodness of a loving relationship with the lord jesus christ and lord please would you open up our hearts to a better way to live we pray amen yes, thank you lord